Welcome to Momentum Church. I want, if you would, to have you stand to your feet, and we're going to look at the first scripture today right off the bat. And so, if you're a guest today and this is your first time, or if you're just tuning in online and it's your first time um, with this series, this series is called Live Ultra, Live Ultra. And we're looking at the subject of the idea of the word ultra meaning beyond, and that we believe God wants us to live beyond the ordinary, live beyond the what, what, what we, we would see as lack or less or missing out on all that God has for us, because I believe God has something incredible for each of you, and, and so this is what the series is looking at, and today we're going to be looking at Jeremiah 29, 11, just starting out, a super popular passage of scripture, and um, how many know they're popular because they're good? Hey man, sometimes the scripture, it's like, man, I've heard that scripture before. It's good. That's why we need to hear it again, and so it says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper, say prosper. Yeah, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Say hope and a future. Man, Lord, I ask over the next few minutes that you would just guide our conversation together. Lord, be with my, my chest cold. Be with this that I can speak and declare your word without um, coughing too much today, Jesus. Uh, Lord, this is too good to miss. And so we ask for your anointing, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Amen. So if I do get into a jig, <clears throat> it's a demon. Just, just curse it in Jesus' name, all right? And so this passage of Scripture, who is this passage of Scripture speaking to? Who are the people that Jeremiah is prophesying to? And we can see the people that he's prophesying to in the nation of, of, of Babylon. This is uh, toward the end of the Babylonian exile when they had taken the um, nation of the southern tribes, the nation of, of Israel was the southern tribes, the, the kingdom of Judah, and they had taken them over into Babylon. And so they've had... Uh, a life experience living in exile. They've had a life experience living in such a way that they weren't close to the temple. A life experience living in such a way that they were subjugated to the rulers of that day. And I told you last week and I told you the week before that you are a royal priesthood. Amen? You're a kingdom of, of, of priests. You're called to not be subjugated, not to be ruled over by anything but the Holy Spirit in God's word. But what we can see here is a people that are in exile. They're subjugated to the Babylonians. They were a people prior to this, the reason why they went into exile or why they were, were, were brought to Babylon was because they were a people who had a struggle to get it together. Time and time and time again. I'm not negating their culpability, all right? They, they, they were guilty of idolatry. They were guilty of mediocre spiritual living. They were lukewarm at best at times, the nation of Israel in that time. They were guilty of that, and God loved them too much to leave them in their place of complacency. God loved them too much to leave them in that place of compliance, that place of rebellion. God loved them too much, and so he allowed some hardship to come their way to bring them into exile for a season while he began to do a work in them and then you'll see later that he sends them back 
to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple with Nehemiah and, and to begin to reestablish the nation in the homeland once again. <coughs> Excuse me. But I just want you to liken that to, to us at times, you know. We, we, have, we struggle in life when it comes to wanting to see change. We struggle to keep it together. We may see change for a moment, but we don't see change over the long haul. And, and I, I, I'm just going to... Um, um, Keep working through these notes kind of quick today, if that's okay. And so um, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid my throat's not going to last the two services. So um, I may not linger too long in any one spot. But you have to understand that when it comes to your life, and we're talking about life change. That's what this whole series is about, is life change. How many want some life change? Like, like are you just happy and content? Yeah, no, no, no. Like, I understand contentment is good, but complacency isn't. And so the thing about life change is your life doesn't get better by chance. All right? It just doesn't. Your life doesn't get better by chance. It gets better by change. All right? You want a life to be better, change has to take place. That wasn't original to me. Jim Rohn, he had said that. He was a business guy has since passed. And, and, and Jeremiah was challenging these followers of, of God, the, the, the nation of Israel. He's tra- challenging them to make the necessary changes. The whole book, he's weeping over the spiritual climate of God's people. And he's challenging them to make the necessary changes, those changes in the heart. And, and, and so that's what's going on in that position, in that, in that, in that um, passage of scripture. And so to those people, and you can receive this for what it is, it's still a promise for those people that messed up, for those people that struggled to keep it together, for those people that continued to, to miss God's best at times. God still said that his will, his desire is for them to prosper, that his desire is for them to give them a hope and a future. Amen? And I don't know about y'all, when it comes to changing our lives, we beat ourselves up a lot, don't we? Like, I can't, I, like, I've tried and I can't, you know? How many's tried to quit something before? All right, all right. How many's tried to start something? It can be just as hard, it can be just as hard, you know? And it's just, oh man, I've tried. I, that scripture so encourages me, because God wasn't done with his people, and he's still not done with his people today, Amen? And so he's not done with you or with me. And so last week, we began to see that, 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 that first key to being able to position ourselves for an ultra life is to do what you say you're going to do. That was last week. This week, our key is to position yourself to live ultra. The key is this, change has to take place. I mean, I, I, we're going to break this down and how change takes place, but, but that's really it. You're going to do what you say you're going to do. But if you want to see an outcome that's different, change has to take place. And so that doing what you say you're going to do can't be a one-time doing, right? That's not how change works. It comes from repetition, doing that thing over and over and over again. But the first step to making a change in our lives, the first thing is this. you got to identify what needs changed, all right? And so I want you to begin to think right now. What is something in your life that needs to change? It could be your attitude. It could be your, your anger. It could be your agenda, your calendar. It could be your health. It could be your spiritual walk. <coughs> it could be your finances. 
But here's the thing, change means we must admit something in our life hasn't measured up to what we think it could be or should be. That's what change is. And a lot of times we don't pursue it because we don't want to identify it. Like if I don't identify it clearly, then maybe it's somebody else's problem. Maybe this is some, the reason why I'm experiencing this is because it's your fault, you know? But if I start to identify it, I start to realize, oh wait, change starts with me. There's things I've got to change. And now some of those things could be relationship changes that the people that you're in relationship with are, let's say, narcissistic, okay? And those relationships need to change, and sometimes in those relationships, a cutting off needs to take place. So it's not you in that moment, other than you're allowing that relationship to continue to hurt you, all right? So, but most of the time when it comes to change, it's us. It's all about us. There is something in each of our lives that need to change. Something that needs in our life to conform to God's image. Amen? Something that needs to line up closer to the life that God intends for you to have. Every one of us. Do you have yours yet in your head? Something in our, our lives that need to move away from what's harmful towards what's beneficial. Amen? You guys got some things in your head yet? All right. Something that looks more like the life you've been called to live and experience than the life you're living right now. All right, so if there's something in your head right now, I want you to just put your hand up in the air. All right? All right. Change is coming, people. Change is coming. Amen? I want to scream that like a Pentecostal preacher, but I don't know. Change it. Yeah, no. (laughs) No. Somebody say change is coming like real loud. Come on. Oh, one more time. That was good, Mark. You're going to be my preacher voice today. So when I say something good and I point to you, you say it. You say it like that. That was. Come on, somebody. (laughs) This is going to work. This is going to work real good. (laughs) I love it. But major categories that change falls in, <laughs> the, major, <coughs> the major categories that change falls into, a lot of times we see are like physical slash health, finances, relationships, and our walk with the Lord, or our spiritual growth. Those are kind of the big categories that we see. And so what if... Let me ask you a question. Lean in. What if you decided to change before you had to instead of because you have to? Did you catch that? What if you decided to change before you had to instead of because you have to? A lot of times we wait too late. It breaks my heart as a pastor so often. By the time a married couple gets to our office, it's done. It's happened many times in our ministry through the years, and you're just like, whoa, you're not going to do counseling? You're not going to give him, or you're not going to give her a chance to, to, like, we can help you through this? And No, I'm done. What if you decide to change before you had to instead of because you have to? Before the marriage is facing impending divorce, what if you start changing now, Amen. Before losing your hope scholarship, young person in the room, right? Start changing your habits, your study habits, your partying habits. Start changing some of that stuff now. 
when it comes to health, before you start to face full-blown diabetes or cardiovascular disease, what would happen if you changed before you had to instead of waiting until you have to? What would happen? One of the most wise things I ever heard came out of a, a black woman that my wife used to be her cleaning lady. And she looked at her son, who has since passed, and she said, I won't say his first name, I'll say Bob. She said, Bob, you are digging your teeth with your grave. I said that wrong. You are digging your grave with your teeth. That sounds a lot more impactful that way. You're digging your grave with your teeth. Because he had diabetes and he was falling apart, but he wouldn't stop. He wouldn't make those necessary changes. And there's reasons why we don't change. Three reasons why we don't change. We don't change because we have either grown comfortable, complacent, or compliant with our current situation. Let me say it again. We don't change because we've grown comfortable, complacent, or compliant with our situation. Comfortability. We become comfortable. I heard it said a known bondage becomes more comfortable than an unknown freedom. Uh, when I was 300 pounds, to be honest, I wasn't comfortable. That was the tipping point. I, I couldn't breathe when I slept. I wasn't going to get a machine. I just had to lay with the pillows in a way that my neck didn't choke me. I wasn't comfortable. But at 250, 270, I was comfortable for years. You know, I, I can manage this. It was more comfortable to stay that way than to do what I, was necessary to get healthy for, for 15 years, 14 and a half, 15 years. So comfortability. What about complacency? That, that's the idea that I'm satisfied where I'm at. Remember last week we talked about the status quo and the leaders not ready to take off and go attack the Philistines, but you had Jonathan and his armor bearer who were not complacent. They were not. They were going to go after the victory God was telling them to take. They were going to go after the Philistines, and they did. And so complacency, what are you complacent in? If you're complacent, you will not change. And so what are you complacent in? Could that be a reason why you're not changing? <clears throat> the final one is compliance. I'm going to give you another word for compliance. You ready for this? And this one here, I believe, is when we're dealing with, with things that are actually sin in our lives. All right? Sin. So the word compliance, for me, in this tech context, is rebellion. We don't change because we are in compliance with the enemy of our heart. We don't change because we're in compliance. We're in rebellion. I want to do what I want to do. And I don't care what anybody else says. And sometimes the word of God will be so black and white and clear in our life. And we'll read it. And then we'll try somehow taking that black and white word and making it gray to justify our rebellion. And sometimes that gray area sounds like this, and you wonder why you don't change. That gray area sounds like this. Well, I don't feel convicted when I do that. I mean, like, like shouldn't you go off of your convictions? I don't, I don't feel, has anybody had a friend doing something really stupid? I don't feel bad doing that. I don't feel convicted. <clears throat> That's even scarier. That means your heart is becoming so hard the Bible talks about that being waxed cold. You're waxing cold. You know, take a, 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 a wick and dip it in wax and pull it out. And then do it again. And then do it again. After a while, it's insulated. 
That's how you build a candle, right? And that wick will wax cold. You, that wick would not feel, if you will, the heat, the hand, whatever you're using to grab a hold of that. You're not touching the wick anymore. And so sometimes that scares me even more when people are like, well, I'm not convicted to do this or to do that. But the Bible's really clear. It scares me. So compliance, a rebellion, all right? But it doesn't matter. All those things, when it comes down to it, if we're going to have change, we've got to create new habits. Change is hard because it demands us to alter our habits, our pattern of how we live. A habit is what you do in life almost unconsciously. That's what a habit is. It's just your natural ordering of your steps. Proverbs 27.12 calls us to be careful. It says the prudent... That that person that is wise, the prudent sees danger and hides himself, but the simple go on and suffer for it. In other words, the prudent, the wise goes, this isn't the path I should take. I'm going to go hide myself because there's something going on up here that's going to attack me. And so they hide themselves. But in our situation, this is the life I'm living, the habits I'm allowing to shape who I am and my existence and my life. And I'm going to continue Yeah, you'll continue to a place of harm. And so if we're wise, we don't continue down that path. Says the simple go on and they suffer for it. And what's bad about that, so often in our dreams when we don't chase after what God has for us or we allow life-controlling issues to overtake us and we don't deal with those, it's not just a personal thing. It affects your family, it affects friends, it affects everything. So we need to create change, but if we're going to do that, it happens, it happens by creating new habits, new habits. And I want to show you something on the board here. I brought this up. Um, we're going to call this four levels of awareness when it comes to a habit. Four levels of awareness. And I just want to be sure I spell it this first word right. And so the first one is unconscious Unconscious incompetence. Unconscious incompetence. This is where you're going through life. Things aren't having the desired outcome. You may not even understand why. Why do I keep running up against this stuff? You may not even know. It is just unconscious incompetence, right? Like you're doing, like I'll give you one for my my journey, all right? I drank a gallon of coffee and two Coke Zeros a day for years. A gallon of coffee and two Coke Zeros. I was a chain drinker. It just hot cup, go get another hot cup. Go, I see fellow sinners. I'm looking at you, I see you. <laughs> Me and Barb, oh my Lord, when she was in the office years ago, we would take the, the we used to use um, uh, percolators, you know, and we would take the percolator from Sunday and leave it, and that way on Monday morning and Tuesday, we had this huge thing of coffee that just got ickier and darker and syrupier and, ooh, we, we, were, we were a mess. Here's what it was, unconscious incompetence. I did not realize, and this isn't a health thing today, but I'm just saying, Unconscious incompetence. I didn't realize that caffeine raises cortisol. And my cortisol was through the roof because I was drinking a gallon of coffee and two Coke Zeros a day. No wonder I couldn't lose weight. It was unconscious incompetence, okay? What you move into next when it comes to creating a habit is conscious incompetence. 
conscious incompetence. This is where I'm aware I need to bring change in my life. I'm just not able. Like, I don't know how. I don't know what I need. I need help. I, I, I feel so defeated. But, but I am conscious now that I have a need that is, I'm missing it. I'm not getting there to my desired goal, my, my desired habit that's going to get me there. We'll talk a little bit here in a little bit on those tools to help you create that habit. <clears throat> I just want you to have four levels of awareness while you're creating the habit. The third level is conscious. Conscious. Competence. Conscious competence. I think that's right. I think I spelled that right. Conscious competence. When it comes to conscious competence as you're developing a habit, you know what you need to do, but you gotta be really mindful of it. Conscious competence, you know? Like, like, like for me, for a long time, conscious competence, I had to be very mindful. Get my lunchbox. What am I gonna eat today? Because if I don't, I will eat everything. Anything and everything. So I was consciously competent. I'm thoughtful. This is what I'm doing. I'm consciously competent. I wake up. I have a cup of coffee. A few hours later, another cup of coffee. Very conscious about those decisions. Does that make sense? Could be with a new habit of reading God's word. You're conscious. You wake up. I have got to remind myself tomorrow morning. Maybe you put it in your, your calendar. That way you're being consciously competent. Tomorrow morning, read the word. And you're there and you're doing your devotion and you're studying, okay? But there's something powerful about a habit. And you know when you get into this awareness of the habits, how they work, this is where you're working toward. And this is where it feels natural. A lot of times, those new habits just don't feel natural. Because now you're into unconscious competence. I'm just going to go like this. Unconscious competence. All right? Unconscious competence. It's where you just don't even think about it. Like now, to be honest, when it comes to those habits that I've developed, I don't think about it, you know? I just, it just is part of my life. I just, it's just natural. It's breathing. I drink probably six of these a day, you know? Better than all that coffee, I don't think about it. I eat six times a day. Every two, three hours, I eat something, and I fill my bottle when I eat. So I end up drinking six of those a day. It's just a conscious or unconscious thing. Does that make sense? Unconscious competence. And so that's those levels of awareness when you're creating a new habit, and it's important to work toward this, but don't beat yourself up. For this, this is just called ignorance. Like you didn't know, all right? Don't beat yourself up. This here, when you're conscious, man, you're just developing that habit, but don't beat yourself up, you know? I mean, no, you still got a couple more things to go. I love that. Like be encouraged, you're on your way, but you're already starting to do the right things, you know? It's just, or, or this one here, you're already starting to do the right things. It's just not natural yet, okay? <coughs> so your life doesn't get better by chance. I'm gonna say it again, it gets better by Change, right? Change occurs as a result of choices that align themselves with your intended outcome. That's how change occurs. Guess what the consistent choices are? Habits. That's what consistent choices are. They're daily habits, right? And so where do habits begin? Where do they begin? They begin in your head way before they begin in your body. 
All right, they begin in your head. They begin with your thinking. They begin with your mind. The way we think controls the way we act. Paul said in Romans 12, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what's good, acceptable, and perfect. God has a good, acceptable, and perfect will for your life. And if you're looking at your life saying, this doesn't line up with what I know God intends for me, this can't be his best for my life, this can't be his best for my finances, this can't be his, the best for my marriage, this can't be, do you understand? This can't be his best, so if that's the case, how do I start to practice those habits? Well, it has to start with the renewing of your mind. It starts with what you're focusing on. What begins to be in the forethought of your thinking. <clears throat> and I love it because it says being transformed by the renewing of your mind. This isn't an automatic thing, all right? It doesn't say that you're already completely transformed. It's being, you're being transformed. It takes time, all right? Everything you do begins as a thought. What you focus on, guess what? You're going to hit. How many plays golf? I'm horrible at it, but I've played, I've played. I always joke that a pastor shouldn't play any sport that makes him want to cuss. Golf makes me want to cuss a blue streak. I don't, because I'm holy. Maybe, maybe, maybe a few Christian cuss words, you know. But I, I, I can't tell you how many times this has happened. I put the ball down, and there's a water hazard, a lake. And if that green that is a par three that I can hit with this seven wedge, if that green was just the fairway with no water, I could put it right there. But as soon as you put water in front of it, don't hit the water, don't hit the water, don't hit the water, I'm in the water. Another ball, don't hit the water, don't. I'm just gonna take a drop on the other side, you know. Like I, I can't, I, I've, I've lost so many balls in the water. Why? Object fixation, everything you begin, everything you hit, you think of first. So <clears throat> playing with that and help giving us a little context on on how to create these, these um, new habits. Um, Dallas Willard, he, he's a, a university pr professor at um, the University of Southern California, and he, he said, he has this approach for creating a habit, so we'll just put this up here. So V-I-M, V-I-M. And so what he would say, that when it comes to creating a habit, the first thing is vision. That's the V. You've got to have a vision. Get a vision of what you want life to be like because of the change you're making. Remember, it starts with your thinking. So this is vision, and it's what you want. What you want. That end Goal, that desire for your family, marriage, business, health, whatever it is, spiritual walk, ministry, whatever it might be, get that vision. That's the desired outcome, what you want. And a lot of times when it comes to wanting to see change, we will tie wanting to see change to fear, okay? Fear of losing my marriage, fear of having a heart attack, fear of of, of them repossessing the house. Fear, no, most will say that fear is a horrible motivator. It's a horrible motivator, all right? Fear doesn't change people. 
vision, having that vision does. You're not focusing on fear, you're focused on vision. What do you want to happen in your life? <clears throat> People, um, it's crazy, who survive heart attacks, all right? They've already lived in such a way. Now, there's obviously genetic issues for heart attacks. We have people that I've known had a heart attack, and they ate incredible, right? But normally, cardiovascular diseases come from poor diet, right? And so people have had a bad experience. They've had a heart attack, and the doctors are like, you've got to go ahead and eat this way, and they won't. But if you don't eat this way, you're going to die, but I, I think the figure I read said like over 70% of those patients never change their, their habits. Over 70%. Why? Because you're going to die is a motivator based in fear. And it doesn't motivate. But that, that, that motivation based in joy and happiness, based in a vision for what is going to be, what continue, can continue to be great or become even greater, man, that will motivate you. So if that doctor was to look at that guy and say, look, the quality of your sex life is going to be greatly reduced if you don't get your cardiovascular system up and doing better. Dude, that guy's going to be like, that's joy. That guy, like, give me a salad. Right? It's the joy of a better future that motivates. Yeah, Doc, that's worth changing for, right? Mm -hmm. In Nehemiah 8.10, it says, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. That's how powerful joy is. Like when we keep joy before us, the joy of the Lord strengthens us. It strengthens our heart and our soul. And last week we saw Jonathan and his armor bearer defeating the Philistines. And that beautiful point when the armor bearer says to Jonathan, do what's in your heart and soul. My heart and soul. Like, we're, we're doing this. And I told you last week, that heart and soul, that heart is the vision, and then that soul is the intention. And, I, and, and I'm going to let the cat out of the bag, but we'll teach on this a little bit more in a second. And I think I spelled that wrong. <clears throat> nope, I got it. Intention. Intention. Excuse me. <clears throat> intention of the soul. So your vision is your heart. Your intention is your soul. That's your mind, your will, your emotions. That desire that is in your life. Your, your life won't get better by chance. It gets better by change. And so being able to line up our vision and then our intention. And the reason why it's so important is I don't want you to become a casualty of the change you refuse to make. Did you catch that? I don't want you to become a casualty of the change of... The, 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 the outcome of the change that you refuse to make. So we have to have intention next. What that is, that's the decision that says, I'm going to change. And so it's the decision to change. Decision to change. That's that next, that next part in creating this, this movement toward new habits and life change, all right? And so many times we'll hear people say, I'm going to change, I'll start tomorrow. I'm going to change and I'll, I'll start on Monday. I'm going to do some different business practices. This is fourth quarter going into getting ready. I, I'll, I'll start first quarter 2024. There's intention but no action, you know. 
I'm gonna change, I'll start after the holidays. I'm gonna change once this business trip, or I'm gonna change once this busy season is over. And I gotta guard myself, don't I, Amy? You know, it's like, you can go through a busy season with ministry and life and not spend as much time as you should with the family, and look, this is just a season. Like, it's about three more weeks of crazy, and then, yeah, but your babies don't understand that, you know? And she's helped me with that all our marriage to be able to hold that line, right? Excuse me. <clears throat> and so what intention speaks to or leads to is taking action now. Like change begins today. You can't just intend to do things. You have to tie action to your intentions. You may say, I intend to, you know, or I'm planning to or I need to. No, no. When you start to hear that come out of your mouth, remind yourself your life won't get better by chance. It gets better by change. And I want to add another C word to that. Your life doesn't get better by chance. It gets better by choice. By choice. Not, not anything you choose alone, but the choices God placed within you. But it does. It's by change. But it's by choice. It's, it's by saying, God, I'm going to align my heart, soul, and body. I'm going to align that into what God has for me. Now, that heart, I said, is that vision, that, that soul, your mind, will, and emotion, that's the intention, and, and that body is, is your, your um, 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 action, like putting it into physical action. And we can see this with Daniel. <clears throat> Daniel's, he's in Babylon. This is another one of those in exile. And they're asking him to eat what is upon the king's table and to eat like the other young leaders there because they're elevating him into a position of honor and he does not want to create that new habit. And so he says, but Daniel purposed in his heart. Do you hear that? He purposed in his heart. That's that heart. That's that vision. He had a vision that he's not going to defile himself with the king's portion of delicacies. He has a vision, a very clear vision. I am not eating the king's stuff. I'm not doing that, you know? Nor with wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Therefore he requested. He went from intention, or from vision to intention to action. He questioned and began to set things in motion so that he'd get the permission to eat as he desired to eat to honor God in the middle of that. And it caused him to be healthy. It caused him to rise above all the other leaders. People saw what was going on, the favor of, of Yahweh upon him. And so <clears throat> it would become a blessing to him and to those around him. And I believe things like that are what helped that, that government in time um, Cyrus release the, Israel, the Jewish people to go back to, to Israel, back to Jerusalem and rebuild the temple. And so what's this M, this M, all right? I, I, I know I felt like I said vision, intention, and action, but you can't have intention without action. They're tied together, okay? So intention plus action. So what is the M? What is this? What the M is, is you're not in this alone, so you need to have a means to change. A means to change. Means. Means to change. Means to change. <clears throat> what, what's the, what, what is that, Ross? It's the way to accomplish what we're saying we're going to do. All right? 
is it's it's resources resource resources for action somewhere between here and here you begin to move forward and you realize i can't do this on my own i need help to figure this out it's the marriage and you need counseling it's growing as a disciple. I love Caleb for this. Man, he is hungry for the Lord and to know more of the Lord. And he's going to small groups, multiple small groups, and asking older brothers in the Lord to help him as a mentee, to mentor. And, and he's going after it. Why? Because he realizes, I want to be in action and grow as a disciple. I need a means to change. I need a means to grow. I need a means. I need resources for that action. All right? And so I want to give you a couple real quick resources because having intentions without means will leave you accomplishing very little in regards to your desired outcome, all right? And so the first resource, remind yourself often that God is on your side, amen? And I know this today, last week I was trying to just bring some inspiration, this week I'm trying to bring some practical stuff, next week's going to be very much toward the spiritual stuff, all right, and evangelistic but I did want to hit it today because that's the best resource we have. You are not alone. God's on your side. The power of the Lord is with you. Not by power nor by might, his word says, but by my spirit, says the Lord. You know, It's not in your own power or your might. God's spirit's there. This isn't self-help. Well, it sounds like it. No, no, no. Self-help says I can do this on my own. I'm telling you, you can't. Amen? You try. How many tried? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'll just throw this one out because it's such a hard one. How many in this room quit smoking cigarettes at one time in your life? Right, right. Hard, was it one of the hardest things ever, right? Yeah, for most people, so hard. I commend you for that. So hard to do that. So no, self-help, it's not that, that you can do this on your own. You can't. Philippians 2.13 says, for it is God who works in you. Do you catch that? It's God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Who's doing the will and who's doing the work? You are. But who's doing the work in us? He is. Do you see all of that in there? God is there to resource us. He's working in us both to will and to work. He's working in us to will. He's working in us to work. In other words, not just to have intention, but to align our vision, our heart, with our intention, our soul, our mind, will, and emotions, and then with our bodies, our action following suit for his good pleasure. So the Lord, we need his help. Number three or two, embrace the resources you need to make the changes you desire. Embrace the resources you need to make those changes. I've already said one, a counselor is a great resource. Maybe it's an event that you need to go to as a business leader. And you're like, man, I need to see change in my business. And I need to go, I need to, go to this, Lori, I got to go to this auto mechanic shop owner's event to learn what we need, you know. And, and then I would just say, send Lori. <laughs> send Lori. No, I'm kidding, no. It could, be, it could be a number of things. It could be a book. For me, it was a coach. And you know what's crazy about that? Four years before I decided, four years before Amy decided for me, because remember I said, she's like, you got to get help in January if you haven't changed, and I hadn't. And so four years before that, my friend asked me to help. He would help me and coach me. 
And you know what I told them? I said, oh man, I, I get it, it's working for you. Programs are for weak-minded people. That was rude, wasn't it? But I was kind of kicking the foot out the door and slamming the door, because like, I don't want you to keep bugging me. And he didn't bug me. One time he asked me, in four years, one time. And that's how I left it. And we talked about a bunch of stuff for years, but never ever, he knew that door was closed, because I said, it's for weak-minded people. Guess what? I told him, I said, I'll flick the switch on anytime I'm ready. I'm just not ready yet. The next four years, flick, flick, and went right back down. Flick, flick, flick. That switch is faulty. And finally, I'm calling him up. I'm ready. Do you know he wept on the phone? Literally, like tears coming down his eyes. He said, I'm so worried about you. Let's do this. And he helped me. Why? Because I needed a resource for that action. I couldn't just do it on my own. I had to embrace that a resource, all right? Number three, and we're almost finished, surround yourself with people who are experiencing the life you desire. Amen? That's what Caleb's doing when it comes to spiritual things. Caleb's a young guy. Tons of opportunities, I'm sure, to align his life with, with crazy stuff out there. But he's aligning it with people that are going the path that he desires. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Mara, you guys, same, same way. You know, or Mara, I'm sorry, I always, say, I, say, I always say it wrong, Mara. You guys, the same way. These young people, they're aligning themselves serving in ministries, both at this church and another church. They're aligning themselves in, in study. They're aligning themselves together in Bible study. Why? You become like those you associate with. And so that's a resource. That's a means to change. Surround yourself with people who are experiencing the life you desire. All right? And, and I'm going to give you one little statistic here um, because I like statistics. The magazine Fast Company all right, had an article, and in the article, it said this. The article was written by Alan Dushman, and it's Change or Die. That's the name of the article, Change or Die. You see how important change is, right? And so here's what he said in his studies. 77% of people who had a positive view of the future, get a vision, right? Positive, not based in fear. That's not what the vision is. No, think the positive. A lot of it for Amy and I, I love backpacking with that woman. I do. It's so much fun being in the woods chasing her. Mm. And I had in my head the thought, man, we, I, we met a 70-year-old couple on the Appalachian Trail, doing the whole Appalachian Trail. And it was just so appealing to me. And that was a big part of it. It's like, I want to be 70 hiking with my girl. She trail ran on Friday for the first time. It was so much fun. She did better than me. Like, she, like, my first, I'm like, she's a natural. <clears throat> I'll never be able to catch you if you keep up. <clears throat> Excuse me. 77% of people who had a positive view of the future had joy as their motivation. Now, here's the other part. You ready for this? And had joined a small group of like-minded people experiencing the change they desired. Do you know why we push small groups around here so much? Because it brings change. Sitting in a service and never being shoulder to shoulder or in a circle with people in a living room, coffee shop, wherever it might be, just come in Sundays and sit in a service. It doesn't bring the change. It doesn't. Not at the level of people that are tied together into a small group. And so that's a means to change. Find a group. You know, that's why Amy and I host some events around health. Why? Because we're helping people find a group. Whether they ever do our program or not, we don't care. We just want to inspire people to help them in their change. Does that make sense? 
And then being in that environment, guess what it does? It keeps me healthy too. It helps me. Does that make sense? Yeah. And that may be for you AA. That may be Celebrate Recovery. That may be NA. That may be for you a small group here at church, a ministry team, you know, that you're all part of. It may be, uh, we, we, a lot of, some of the men in the church are trail life, which is kind of like Boy Scouts, but, but better. No, it's a really great program. But Mark's a trail life guy. Man, and that's a community of men together with the like-minded heart to make a difference in boys' lives. But I see them reach out to each other and help each other and inspire each other. It's a group that helps. This is a secular magazine, Fast Company, saying 77%. That's a high percentage of people that have joy as their motivator, a clear vision of where they're headed, and have people around them as a means to change they see change, and they end up with their desired outcome. Amen? So I want to challenge you with that. So this week, if you want, go to mymomentumchurch.tv, look at the notes, this stuff's on the notes, <coughs> and go in and write down what is my vision for my life, and write it in a way that is hope-filled. God's come to give you a, a, a hope and a purpose and a future. Write it the way God wrote it to his people, right? Write a hope-filled. Write down what's your intentions. What are the decisions that, to change that you have to make in light of that vision? What are some of those things? And then look, where are some of those things that I can do on my own? But where are some of those things that I can't? I need the Lord's help. I need this person's help. I need this counselor's help. I need this book. I need whatever it might be. Does that make sense? I don't want you just to listen today and last week, live ultra, and I give you a bunch of hopium. And that's where it ends, right? Ooh, get a good dose of hopium, you know? No, it's just hopium if we don't take action, right? And so I want to encourage you to take action. So those who raised your hand, Lord, I thank you for those who do have a desire, desire to see change in certain areas of their life. Lord God, I ask that this week you would clarify that vision for their life. That this week, Lord God, you would come and show them some, some real key changes that need to happen, they need to decide, <coughs> decide to do. <coughs> and then, Lord, <coughs> you resource us by your spirit. But you, Lord, you'll resource us by, by people as well. Bring the right people in their life as they begin to pursue, as they begin to seek Bring the right information to their life, Lord, as they begin to, to step forward in this direction, taking action. And allow them to align their, 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 their mind, their mind, no, I'm sorry, their, their heart, their soul, and their bodies towards what you have for them. In Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.